0: Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the preaching of the Word by Pastor Wu Yu Yuzhuang. Early this week, uh, I was overseas on a mission trip, So then I, re- I was having uh, a steamboat lunch with another pastor overseas, all right, in Indonesia actually. So uh, what happened is I received a text from Pastor Kong and I, I oh, okay. <laughs> then... Uh, what happened is that Pastor Bobby was supposed to preach this weekend, and uh, but he was very sick at the beginning of the week, and then Pastor Aris is actually having a wedding this morning, so Pastor asked me, Zhuang, can you can you preach for this weekend? All right. When I saw the message, you know, my fish ball <laughs> dropped from my chopstick to my soup. <laughs> now I, I was thinking, I, I'm overseas. You know, and I still have two days of ministry. I will only be back in Singapore on Wednesday. By the time I reach Singapore, it will be already uh, midnight. And my Thursday, Friday schedule is packed. And you know, uh, according to Jiahui, my next schedule to preach is actually quite a few months away. I don't have a sermon. All right, so, and, but of course, anytime my pastor asks me to serve the Lord, it is a privilege. (laughs) <laughs> I can't say no to him. I say, yes, pastor, I can do it. <laughs> so now it is a much shorter time than usual to prepare a weekend sermon. So as you listen to the Word of God today, please remember to pray for me as well. Right? Come, let's just commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank you that this morning we can worship you. We can be in your presence. We ask that God, you will come and speak to us with your word. Because your word is life-giving. Your word is life-changing. So we just commit this time to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say, Amen Amen and Amen. Praise God. Are you all hearing me all right? Okay, good. Now, last weekend, Pastor Kong preached a powerful, insightful and mind-provoking message on slow-down Christianity. Now, we need to slow down if we want to know God well. So don't be too busy for the Lord. Don't be too busy for your family or people that you love. And then Pastor Kong with us about five things we need to learn from Jesus. Number one, to adopt slow-down spirituality. Number two, to faithfully observe the Sabbath rest. If you remember last year, I shared with you on the importance of rest day as well. And number three, uh, what is number three? To practice silence and solitude. Number four, to make devotional prayers. And number five, to develop detachment, which Pastor Jeremy mentioned early on, which is to be content in any situation. So if we can slow down and follow Jesus' unhurried unhurried pace of life, We will be changed. His yoke will be easy. His burden will be light. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, last month, I shared with you a sermon, the first weekend of 2023, a sermon entitled, My Shepherd Leads Me. We have covered the first three verses. But today, I just want to read uh, verse 2 to you one more time. Now, let's look at verse 2. He says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So God wants us to lie down. Don't do it right now. But God wants us to rest. And He leads me beside the still waters. That means there is a supernatural ease that we can experience in Christ. So this is totally in line with slow down spirituality. All right. Now today, I want to continue the series on Psalms 23. Let me read verse 4 to verse 5 for you. It says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'll stop there. The title of my message is, My Shepherd Protects Me. My Shepherd protects me. Now, before we narrow in and study verse 4 to verse 5, I want you to look at John chapter 10, verse 7 to verse 11. But let me read for you verse 7 to verse 9 first. It says over here, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, in this passage, Jesus makes two important statements about Himself. He began by saying that He is the door. Now, what is the door? A door gives access to things. And because Jesus is our door, We have access to God. We have access to all that God has provided for us. We have access to His presence. We have access to His power, His miracles, His healings, even His blessings. So we have a door to God's presence. And His name is Jesus. We have have access to the presence of God even in our car. We have access to the presence of God at home right now. Some of you are watching us on the internet. We have access to God wherever we are and His name is Jesus. Everybody shout Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is our door, praise God. So He says, I am the door. Wherever you are, we have a door. His name is Jesus. I want you to look at, continue to look at verse 10. It says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. All right, so he says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the thing is, just because you have a door, doesn't mean that the thief will not come. So just because you are saved, doesn't mean the thief will not come. Just because you pay your tithes, doesn't mean the thief will not come. Just because you sing in the Spirit, pray in tongues, just because you listen to worship songs, does not mean that the thief will not come. And just because you serve as leaders, serve in a ministry, does not mean the thief will not come. Jesus said that the thief would surely come. And this thief has has a threefold mission, to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. Let's continue verse 10. All right, let me read again. All right, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So even though there's a thief coming, but Jesus gave us a good news. What is the good news? Jesus is not just the door. He is the shepherd guarding the door. He's not just the door, he's a shepherd guarding the door and he protects the sheep so that they can rest in the night. When the wolf comes in the night, and we know that nighttime is a dark time, but there is a shepherd guarding the door and protects the sheep so that we can rest in the dark of the night. Some of you, maybe last week you were blessed, but at the same time when you listen to the message on slow down Christianity or spirituality. You say, oh, pastor, I also want to rest. But how can I rest? There's so many things I need to do. There's so many challenges, hardship I'm going through right now. There's so many things I need to battle with and fight for. How do I rest? Well, even though I was overseas, but I hear you. (laughs) I got good news for you. There is a shepherd who guards our door so that we can rest in the night and experience the slow down Christianity that Pastor Kong talks about last weekend. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Amen, amen, amen. There is a shepherd that guards our door so that we can rest in the dark of the night. Some of you have this idea of a sweet Jesus the shepherd of our soul. I want you to look at the Bible. What the Bible says about the shepherd in the Old Testament, all right? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to verse 35. It says over here, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and hurried off a sheep carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it struck it, rescue the sheep from its from mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by his hair. Wow, you know, cat fight, right? And struck it and killed it. <laughs> so David told King Saul, this was how he as a shepherd would fight off the lion and the bear. He would go after the lion. He would struck it. He would pull his mouth apart, rescue the sheep out of the mouth of the lion the shepherd when a sheep is in danger. How many of you have been in danger before? When the sheep is in danger, the most natural thing for the shepherd to do is to risk his life to protect the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. So not only is Jesus the door, He is the shepherd guarding the door. He says, I am the good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd lay down his life for the sheep. So what did Jesus say? He's not just any shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Why is Jesus the good shepherd? Have you wondered? Why is he the good shepherd? See, what happened is that this important text, you know, for many theologians to study as well. In this passage, Jesus was actually revealing his deity. He was foreshadowing the gospel story. In the Old Testament, the sheep had to die to make atonement for the sins of humanity. The priest would make blood sacrifice from the sheep, from the lambs, so that they can make atonement for humanity. And humanity can be made right before God. So under the old covenant, the sheep had to die for the shepherd. But in a new covenant, the shepherd died for the sheep. Jesus, a good, perfect shepherd, reversed the role he laid down his life for the sheep so that he could protect us from the curse of sin and the curse of the law. Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Amen. We have a shepherd, City Harvest, who doesn't just lead us, but we have a shepherd who protects us. He gave his life to protect all of us. So when the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, we have a shepherd who is there at the doorstep to stop and to fend us, to stop the enemies from coming, So in Psalms 23, when David says, you know, wrote this Psalms 23, he was basically saying, The Lord is my shepherd who leads me, but he is also my shepherd who protects me. David, who is a shepherd himself, he knew that his shepherd will risk his life to protect him. And he went on to use three metaphors to explain how the shepherd protects him. Are you ready? Number one, the valley. Everybody say the valley. Verse four, yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, Psalms 23 doesn't start with verse four. It starts with verse one to verse three, which is a happy start. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, you could almost hear in a background music at the back. (laughs) (shran) (laughs) Okay, never a singer, right? So, now it's so peaceful so serene. But when it comes to verse four, all of a sudden there is a drastic change. The psalm takes a sudden turn and almost doesn't fit into the experience of, the, of verse one to verse three. Suddenly danger is introduced. The sheep had to go down the valley where there is no more peaceful waters. No more fluffy or luscious green pasture. Now, what just happened? What just happened? Let me tell you, real life just happened. Because in life, there will not always be green pastures and still waters. There will be valleys. There will be challenges. And just as how valleys are part of the natural landscape of the earth, It is also part of the natural landscape of our Christian life. There will be ups, there will be downs. Now, valley is a depression, a depression, a low spot. It is a place where the ground is sunken. But more than just a natural landscape, it is an emotional one as well. Many of you know what it is like how it feels like to walk into a valley. And for some of you, you have been in a valley for a long time. Experience after experience, time after time, you are in that very dark and deep spot. David says, yet though I walk through the valley. You know something? We don't walk in the valley. We walk through the valley. As you listen to this sermon, some of you, you are in the valley. Some of you, you are walking into the valley. Some of you, you are walking out of the valley. But whatever it is, you are never meant to stay in the valley. If you keep walking, if you keep walking, if you keep walking, you will eventually walk out of this valley. You will go up to the mountain top again. If you are happy about that, in Jesus' praise. Amen. Amen. But nevertheless, the valley is filled with darkness. But I, I, I want you to know something. In darkness, even when you can't see God, God can see you. He knows everything that is happening in your life right now. The Bible says He numbers You know, our hair on our head. When we cry a tear, he takes that tear and put it inside a bottle. Amen. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, the good news is this. Shadows cannot hurt you. Charles Spurgeon says, the shadow of a dog cannot bite you. Certain things in your life that you're going through right now is nothing more than just a shadow. But listen, I'm not here to make light of your valley. I'm not here to play down the challenges and the hardship that you are facing. Some of you are going through some real challenges. Your grief is real. Your sorrow is real. So even though A shadow may not be tangible, but it is cast by something that is really tangible. You know, the shadow has no substance, but it is caused by something that is real. That's a shadow. What is real? Death is real. Death is real, but the shadow it casts over your life. Doesn't need to be real. And that is why Jesus, our shepherd, he died. He conquered death in our place so that we don't have to fear the shadow of death. And that is why David says, Yeah though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, David didn't deny the reality of a valley. But he said he looked to the presence of the Shepherd in the midst of the valley. Knowing that the shepherd is there makes the whole valley experience bearable. No matter what kind of valley you are facing right now, we don't have to fear because Jesus is there with us. He will never bring us into a valley and abandon us over there. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Now, do you notice that David... He changed the language from a third person to a first person. Why? Because it is in the valley where you will meet God face to face. You will have a personal encounter with the Lord. You don't have to fear because Jesus is here. I remember years ago, uh, one, of my, one of my cell group leaders, she was a banker. Now, as a banker, every single uh, month end, they will be very anxious about not hitting the target. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, so, so, so they'll be very anxious of not hitting the target. And then she came to one of my meetings. And in that meeting, I don't know what I preached, but somehow I kept saying this phrase, you don't have to fear because Jesus is here, right? I, I, yeah, I, I kept saying that statement. So that statement impacted her so much. She went back to her office, all right, when all the fellow colleagues were all panicky, all right. So all of a sudden, she said, you don't have to fear because Jesus is here. <laughs> now, all the bankers, her colleagues, right, when they heard that and they started saying the same thing, you don't have to fear because Jesus is here. <laughs> I mean, when you are, when you are desperate, you know, you'll grab anything that can save you, right? <laughs> so everybody was chanting, saying the same statement, you don't have to fear because Jesus is here. And you know what? That month, I believe they hit their target. Well, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I hope that her will get will get saved, you know, one of these days. But you don't have to fear because Jesus is here. Everybody said together, you don't have to fear because Jesus is here. Number two, the rod and the staff. The rod and the staff. Now, he uh, says, the next, the next metaphor that David used to describe how God protected him was the rod and the staff. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, what is a rod? A rod is a, is a stick, you know, like, the size of umbrella, is a stick that the shepherd would use to fight off the predators, to fend off the wolves that would come to attack the sheep. Now, a staff is a long walking stick with a cur at the top end. Now, a shepherd would use that staff to pull the sheep back when they go astray. And he would use the same stick to save the sheep when they fall off the cleave. So, we serve a God who is not only able to fend off, protect us from the outsiders, he's able to save us from ourselves. Sometimes we need to save us from ourselves. So, whenever we, like sheep, will go astray, there will be attacks that will come our way. But our good shepherd will be able to fend them off and to save us. Amen. So now, this all these attacks from the enemies from the outside from the inside would not happen unless God allows them. Alright, unless God allows them. This was what happened in the book of Job. Alright, so when Satan was looking for somebody's life to disrupt, I want you to look at Job chapter 1, verse 8 to verse 10. It says over here, and the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. So one day, Satan was looking for somebody's life to to kachow, right, to attack. And then, and God, then God says, have you, have you considered my servant, Job? How many of you wouldn't want God to suggest your name? <laughs> Promotion, yes. This one, no. <laughs> why? You know, why like that, right? So in theology, this is called theodicy, you know. But anyway, that's, that's another lesson. But, you know, Satan say, okay, God, yeah, I know Job. I know him very well. I I mean, I also want to attack him. I want to steal from him. But God, you have put a hedge of protection over him and over all that he possesses. Now, how do you expect me to attack Job? So Satan said that that God has placed a hedge over Job. Now, God didn't say it. Satan said it himself. My question is, How did Satan even know that God has placed a hedge over Job's life unless he has been trying to attack Job but couldn't get to him? So often we complain about how many times the devil has attacked us when we have no idea how many times God has protected us from the attacks of the enemy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Very often, we only praise God for the things we know God has done for us. But we should praise God for the the many, many times God has protected us that we don't even know about. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, how do the rod and staff comfort Job? Oh, not Job, David. I believe Job as well. (laughs) How how, how do they comfort David? Now, the staff and the rod, they are basic instruments that a shepherd would carry with them every single day. It's a basic tool that the shepherd will carry every day. David understood and he is comforted that God is involved in the daily affairs of his life. That means not just in not just once in a while, but every day God will protect him. Every day God will watch over his life. And that is what God is doing over your life, too. Amen. And, la- and number three, last metaphor. Now, in verse five, uh, the, the third one is the table. Everybody say the table. The table. The table. Some of you are wondering, what is this table for? looks good, right? Some of you want to come to the stage to eat. Now, in verse 5, we move from the field to the palace. But it is still within the valley experience. Now, what does God do for us in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of the valley? David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The word prepare means that, you know, it it means there is foresight. There is care. It is not random. It is prepared beforehand. All right, so can I invite uh, Pastor Edmund to just come to the stage? All right, come Pastor Edmund. Okay, this is Pastor Edmund, powerful man of God. All right, please have a seat over here. All right, please have a seat. Okay, yeah, yeah, take a seat. All right, David says, you prepare a table before me. That means for me, in the presence of my enemies. Can you imagine God prepare a table for us? God prepared a table for you. And you know what? God foot the bill for the table. He gave His life. He has given all to prepare this table He for the bill. How many of you like to go for a dinner where the bill is already settled? Hallelujah. The bill is settled, so no worry. And the thing is, God wants to dine with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to be personal with us. So, okay. Can I call you just Ed, all right? God calls us by our name, all right? So, okay, Ed. Take this. Try is it nice? Can you imagine the 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 king served us at the table? You know, I gave this also to Adam in a garden. <laughs> but don't worry, it's not that daily. It's not that daily fruit, all right? I will never give you something daily, all right? So try the try drink, all right? Try the water. Good. I I don't need water. I'm the living water. <laughs> Some of you ask, you can't see clearly, Pastor, what is on this table? What is important is not what is on the table, but who is at the table with you. Who is at the table with us? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the shepherd of our lives sits on this table with us. Amen. Amen. So, now, he says, David says, just, just stay here. David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That means there are enemies surrounding the table. Now, I, I, I learned this illustration from uh, Pastor uh, Louis Giglou. Alright, so, but anyway, I want to copy that today. Can I invite the volunteers to come to the stage? Alright, come, let's give the... Volunteer is a big hand. <laughs> all right, so look at this, all, right, wow, all tall and big, huh? All right, this is Ian Ming. Wow, tall, handsome. But looks are like deceiving also, huh? All right, fierce, very fierce. This is Jordan. Wow, Jordan, your chest is like bigger than... I don't know. This guy can join the, what? Uh, Physical 100, all right, physical 100. And uh, wow, this is Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, are you a rugby player? Yes, Pastor. Oh, you really are, ah, you see? Wow, Ryan, scary, that's huh? scary. <laughs> this is William. Wow. William, look, at a wrestler, big. Yeah, yeah, are you a wrestler? Yeah, I know Pastor Ed is a pastor, but in this illustration, he's not. He's your enemy, right? So this guy's your enemy. <laughs> now, some of you are going through some real challenges. There are enemies surrounding you. It could be cancer. It could be divorce. It could be conflict at home. Your wife is unreasonable, right? It could be you, you lost a job, all right? So it could be bankruptcy. It could be stress. You can't sleep, insomnia. So there are challenges that all of us go through. There are real enemies that are surrounding us. What must we do when we are surrounded by enemies? I want, I want you to look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Right, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary." The devil prowls around like a rolling lion, seeking someone to devour. The Bible says we must be sober-minded. We must be watchful because there are two groups of people, or not people, there are two groups who are always eyeing for a seat at your table. The first group is none other than the devil. The Bible says your adversary prowls around like a rolling lion, seeking for someone to devour. All of you look too kind on the stage. I need you to have a, Wah. have this, you know, evil look. I want you to prowl around. Just, just prowl around. Just prowl around. <laughs> prowl around him. The devil is prowling. Prowling around. <laughs> prowling around. <laughs> wow, they're really good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Stop, 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 stop. stop. Wait, wait, wait. They're too good, too good, too good. They're prowling around. What are they doing? They're looking for an opportunity. They're looking for a crack in your life. They're looking for a leak in your life. Looking for an opening so that they can come in to attack you, to distract you, to tempt you. It could be a live experience. It could be a door that you open. It could be a crisis that you are going through. It could be a temptation. It could be life disappointment. One more fierce look before you go. (laughs) Okay, let's give our volunteers a big, big hand. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Just, Just stay here. Not over here, not over <laughs> It's not, you know, sometimes we wish that our crisis would go f- off fast, but not so fast, right? So, now, so the devil is looking for a crack, an opportunity that he can come to attack us. And he's looking to steal a place at your, se- at your table. he adds, at- Good to see you. Is this is this yours? Let me try, all right? Hmm. <laughs> nice. How how's everything at? Good. Good, huh? Actually, I know I know how you feel. You may say good, but inside you know life is terrible. I understand. I've gone through it myself. You know, sometimes God is unfair, right? You know, you, you, you work so hard, but you're paid so little. Look at all your friends. They're owning big bungalows. You try so hard to serve God. But sometimes, it's true, right? Your, your pastor takes you for granted, right? I mean, you can't even remember your name well. I mean, you are Edmund, Edmund. You know, he, he calls you by, by, by Kelvin sometimes. Yeah. And really, God, sometimes He doesn't care for you. And maybe God is not real, right? All this praying, silence, and solitude. I mean, sometimes I just think that it's a meaningless activity that we just go through, do church, play church. You know, and, and this Pastor Aris and Pastor Chong, What are they doing? You know, they are pastors, but they are making fun of each other. I mean, (laughs) privately, okay, on the stage, they also make fun of each other. Ah, yo, why like that? I think you better leave church. You better leave church. The devil is looking for a crack on the day where we don't feel good. And he will come, pull in a chair, sit at our table, eat our food <laughs> and talk to us. You know, Ed, you know, you're never going to make it. Man. You know, the, the truth is, things are not going to change. Your home, at home, your kids are not going to change. I mean, sometimes we, I mean, your kids are rebellious, right? Sometimes, sometimes we wonder why are we even so happy when they were born, right? I mean, if they're all going to end up so rebellious, why we even bother to have kids? Don't set a hope too high. I mean, you are really not good enough. So it's okay, you know? I mean, you don't deserve to be happy. You're really not worthy of this. I mean, look around you. Nobody likes you, man. <laughs> hey, do you know why, why your classmate bully you, you know? Because you're irritating. Look at that cute girl there. Oh! I don't, that day she sent you an emoji, smiley face, right? I think she likes you, you know? I don't think Chia Wei were mine. <laughs> anyway, you know, Chao is so unreasonable. You know, you need to, you need to just release some tension, you know? Just chill, just be happy for a while, all right? She's so busy following her boss, she has no time for you anyway. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Don't be angry at me, all right, Charlie. <laughs> but, this illustration, only illustration. But slowly and surely, the devil is sitting at your table, speaking to you, eating your food. And after a while, if you are not careful, he's stealing your heart and your devotion and your love for the Lord. Now, let's... Thank you thank you pastor Amara let's give pastor man a big hand <laughs> He's a good man he's a good man strong man strong man Now what do we do when we find the devil sitting at our table I want you to look at verse 9 the same passage The Bible says resist him firm in our faith Resist the devil firmly And you say to the devil, devil, you don't belong here. Get out in the name of Jesus. You don't have a seat at my table. The second reason why we must be sober and watchful, because of the wrong company of friends, wrong company of friends, we need to be careful of the kind of friends we allow to sit at our table. The single most powerful, important contributor to whether we live a fulfilling or fruitful life or not is our relationship. This is an essential area that most people underestimate. They are oblivious to the fact that their spiritual, emotional, and financial well-being is dependent or can be impacted by whom they allow to sit at their table. I want you to look at uh, Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. See, Proverbs is a a wisdom literature. And God wants to use this book to teach us to be wise. Alright, because sometimes we can live a righteous life, but not live it well. So, mix with the wise so that you become wise a companion of fools, suffer harms. Look at one more verse, Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In other words, there are no casual, there are no casual and uh, neutral relationship. Relationship either push us forward or it pulls us backward. Relationship either push us into God's purpose or it will push us into pain. It either brings us joy, or it brings us sorrow. People are either sent from God, or sent by the devil. So we must not just evaluate who sits at our table. We ask ourselves, who sent them to our table? Are they sent by God for our development and our advancement? Or are they sent by the devil for our destruction that will lead to our destruction. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. The phrase don't be misled means what? It means it is possible to be unaware of the impact a relationship can have on us. If we are not careful, we can allow the wrong people to sit at our table that will corrupt our good character. All of us, we need relational intelligence. Everybody say relational intelligence. intelligence. Now, what is that? It is the ability to define and align your relationships. The ability to define and align your relationship. The right people must be placed at the right place. So that we can so that good can come to us. So we need to define and align relationships. I want you to listen to this. Everybody is to be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. Let me say it one more time. Everybody is to be loved biblically, valued equally, but treated differently. So everybody has to be loved biblically. That means, I love you unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you have done. I love you unconditionally. Everybody is to be loved, is to be valued equally. That means, I value you regardless of the color of your skin, your gender, your age, your economic status. I value you regardless of your educational level or which country you're from. Alright, so, I value you equally. None of this should determine if you are more valued in the eyes of God. Who can say amen to that? But when I say, everybody must be treated differently, I don't mean that we treat people badly. I don't mean we treat people disrespectfully. But listen, just because I love everybody, biblically, I value people equally does not mean that everybody should be seated at my table. Just because I love everybody doesn't mean that I should open my heart to everybody and take their advisors like Bible truth. Everybody gets love, but not everybody gets access into my life. Everybody gets love but not everybody gets access to my life. I must be sober-minded, watchful of who sits at our table. All right, so that is why you must be watchful. Don't give the devil a seat at the table. Don't allow wrong company of friends to have a seat at your table. I need people who love me enough to correct me, but willing to pray for me willing to cheer for me. God prepared a table before us. We, we get to choose who sits on this table. And Everybody say, amen. Now, but the interesting thing is this. He says, he prepares this table before me in the presence of my enemies. Some of you say, God, why like that? Shouldn't this table be prepared for us In the absence of our enemies, why in the presence of enemies? Why don't you get rid of the enemies? Then you prepare the table for me. What is God saying to us? God is saying, I'm not getting rid of your enemies, but I will manifest my goodness, my provision for you in the midst of your enemies. So God is saying, even in the presence of your enemies, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you in their presence. So the place of your greatest victory is often in the middle of your fiercest battle. The place of your greatest victory is often in the middle of your greatest battle. So God is saying to us, watch me. And oh, oh God is saying to the enemy, I want you to watch me how I strengthen and sustain my sheep through the valley. I want you to watch how I provide, guide, protect my sheep in the middle of a crisis. You thought you are going to bring them down. But I want you to watch me how I bring them up. You thought you're going to destroy them. But I want you to watch me how I'm going to keep them safe. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. See, the reason why this table is in the middle of the enemies, between you and the enemies, it's not because God wants you to do life alone. It's not because God wants you to journey alone. The reason why it is in the middle of the enemies is so that God can get the glory in the middle of a battle. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes we pray, or all the times actually, you know, we pray, God, please get me out of this battle. God says, No. Get me into your battle. We say, God, please bring me out of this fire. God says, No. You bring me into your fire. It is just like the story of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God didn't let them escape from the fire, but God jumped into the fire and became the fourth man in the fire. Those in the fire didn't get burned, but those outside the fire got burned and died. Your enemies will try to surround you and attack you. God is going to give you the victory. Amen. amen, amen. And He will get the glory in the middle of your fight. And musicians can just play something. God is saying to us, I want you to watch me. Watch how I guide you. Sustain you. Lead you. Provide for you. Anoint you. And transform you into the person I want you to be. But not in the absence of a fight. Not in the absence of a valley. Not in the absence of your enemies. Not in the absence of temptation. Not in the absence of pressure. But right in the middle of the valley. In the presence of of the enemies. God will give you the victory. So in closing, conclusion, somebody sent me a video this morning uh, you know, for preachers. The moment you say conclusion, everybody, oh. <laughs> well, Jesus is not just a shepherd who leads us. He's a shepherd who protects us. It's not just the door He's a shepherd who guards the door so that we can rest in the night. He's a shepherd that guards the door. Jesus laid down His life for the sheep so that He can overcome death so that we don't have to be fearful of the shadow of death. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, in the presence of my enemies. Why don't we all stand our feet together right now? The presence of God is all over here right now. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands to God and just pray right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Presence of God is all over here in this place. Some of you are going through valleys in your life. You're surrounded by the enemies. Your grief is real. Your sorrow is real. But today God is saying to us, He is the shepherd who protects us. Why don't we just worship God together right now? Thousand generations falling down in
1: worship, to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who God before us, and all who will believe, will sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Your name, Your name.
0: The glory. glory
1: you deserve. The glory, move with me at your name.
0: the presence of God is all over here in this place. You know, Jesus is not just a shepherd who leads us. He's a shepherd who protects us. John chapter 10 says that He is the good shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. He died on the cross and settled with death and evil and the curse of sin so that you and I do not need to be afraid of the shadows in the night. He guards the door so that we don't have to be panicking. We can rest at night in the dark of the night. No matter how dark your situation, God is there. There is a valley that some of you are going through. But God wants us to know that we are not alone in that valley. He is there with us for you are with us. Jesus is here and you don't have to be afraid because He is near with you. And the Bible says that God uses His rod and His staff. He protects us. He watches over us. Not just once in a while but Daily. Daily, God watches over our lives and build a hedge over us. And the Bible says that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You know what? Even in the presence of your enemies, God is there to provide for you. He's there to protect you. He's there to watch over you. The table is in the middle so that God can get the glory. Today, Whatever situation you are going through right now, why don't we lift up our hands and just talk to God for a while? Oh, ba 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 Some of you are faced with sickness. Some of you are faced with divorce. Some of you are faced with conflict at home. Some of you are faced with a with a financial crisis in your life. Whatever situation, valleys that you are going through. Darkness, shadows, enemies. Let's surrender to God because His name is higher, His name is the highest, His name is the greatest, His name stands above all. Oh, Jesus, oh, let's worship the Lord. 3
1: all falls
0: In the valley, he's holding his rod and his staff. God is sitting at the table. He says, "Watch, watch how I protect you. Watch how I save you. Watch how I lead you through this." And after a while, it's going to be over. He's the the fourth man in the fire. Hallelujah. In the midst of your enemies. You don't have to fear because Jesus is here. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all the members of City Harvest or everyone that is watching this message right now. Lord, you will come and help us be the shepherd that will lead us and be the shepherd that will protect us throughout the whole year in the valley in the midst of the enemies Lord that you will fight the battle for us and with us and we know that you are the fourth man in our fire we will not be burned if we don't bow Lord you will give us the victory in the midst of the enemies And we give you the glory, the honor. And we thank you that we are not alone. For you are with us. And your rod and your staff comfort us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. That is the end of the message for this weekend. Thank you so much for listening so attentively. And uh, just remember, you know, Psalms 23, because this is 2023. All right, it is a good psalm. You know, actually in these six verses, it contains all the different experiences that a Christian can go through. And remember, He is the shepherd that protects you. And everybody say, God bless you. See you next week in church. God bless you. Thank you so much. We hope you've been blessed by the message. If you have a testimony to share, write to us at connect at chc.org.sg.